guys follow. Before we get started in the message, I did forget to mention something. And, and uh, Tim stumbled upon some treasures. Uh, we are, you know, as you know, we're, we're renovating the, the sanctuary and the foyer and the coffee shop. And uh, back in 2002, a few of us wrote some verses and sayings down on the floor with magic marker and, and uh, those were uncovered this week and it was kind of nice to see I went and looked at them this morning and, and I was going to tell you if you guys want to come and write something down uh, come on and do that don't get in the workers way and it, you're probably better off if you did it closer uh, to the stage within about six feet that's the only part that will have carpet on it. But uh, go ahead and, and, and do that if you'd like. Like I said, don't, don't get in the, in the worker's way. And don't ride over anybody else's. It's a, it's a unique treasure there. Now, if you'll take out your message notes, we're going to uh, continue this series on rethinking your life. If I had to ask you a question, and the question was this, what's the biggest problem in your life? right now some of you may tell me financial pressure some of you may tell me relationships job sick lonesome i've heard that a lot of times this week folks are just lonesome and some of you have deadlines you have opposition you got limited resources you could give me a list of different problems that that you might have but none of those are your biggest problem the truth is your biggest problem is you the truth is my biggest problem is me we cause ourselves more problems than anybody else does I know I do we do it by the way that we think. When you don't think correctly, it causes you to feel incorrectly. incorrectly. Then you and I, we tend to make bad choices, which causes all kinds of problems in our life. Most of the problems are caused by the way we think. And you and me, we talk to ourselves all the time I guarantee you're doing it right now I want to tell you not everything that you tell yourself is the truth we lie to ourselves far more than we think we do we lie to ourselves more than anybody else does we tell things are are worse than they really are we tell things that are we say things that are better than they than they really are i want to tell you guys not everything that you say not everything that you feel is the truth now as your pastor i want to, today to give you permission to not believe yourself just because you think it doesn't make it true. 
Just because you feel it doesn't make it true. So when you act on, on thoughts and feelings that are incorrect, you're going to behave incorrectly. You're going to have problems. This is called your sin nature. We all have it. People also call it the law of sin. They also call it the power of sin in your life. For instance, even when you know the right thing to do, sometimes you just don't do it. And sometimes when you know it's not the right thing to do and it's not good for you, it's self-destructive. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You still do it. You still eat it. I had this on my mind this morning. I walk in the door. Mike Barton has a dozen donuts. I said, don't eat it. The donuts will kill you. As I was walking over to get one. This is our sin nature. So today and next week, we're going we're gonna to talk about rethinking sin. But you know, I'm not sure we, we understand what sin is all about. So we're going to do three things this week and next week. We're going to define what is sin. We're going to answer the question, what is the problem with sin? And then we're going to look at how do we break free from sin. It's going to be very practical these next two weeks are. It's going to be very encouraging. I figure we need practical and encouraging today. So we're going to, we're going to talk about breaking the grip. You know, I don't like doing them, but I do it anyway. So let's start with defining sin. What is sin? When we hear the word sin or when we think of the word sin, we usually think of our behavior. We think of the bad stuff. Murder, adultery, and, and rape. Evil, bad, nasty behavior. But the more I read in the Bible, I see that God is, is far more interested in our thoughts and feelings and our words than our behavior. Because your thoughts and feelings and words, if they're wrong, everything's going to come out sideways. Amen? It's going to come out. The Bible has a lot to say about the sins of the tongue. Well, what is sin? What is sin? Write these down. Number one, sin is the opposite of God and good. It's the opposite of God and good. God's always good. God is never bad, and sin is the opposite. Psalm eleven seven says, everything God does is good and fair. All his commands can be trusted. God is a good, good father. The Bible tells us that God is good to everyone. Are you? Am I? Probably not. The Bible says God shows compassion to everyone. The Bible tells us that, that everything and everyone that God created is good. 
but we use it in bad ways. Now, not that what God created was, is bad. It's what we do with it that's bad. We take the good that God has made and we misabuse it or misuse it. I'm sorry, that's not even a word. I was doing that last week. We misuse it. Then after we misuse it, we abuse it. And then we lose it. Like money. We do that with money all the time. We misuse it. We abuse it. And then we lose it. We do it with food, amen? Misuse it, abuse it. Well, then we actually don't lose it. We do it with sex. It was a gift from God, and, and, and we've misused it and abused it. Sin is always a perversion of God's good gifts. Job 34.10 says, It is impossible for God to do anything evil. He cannot sin or do wrong. God wants us to be like him. So anytime I'm sinning, I'm being ungodly because I'm opposite of God. God is good, sin is bad. The second definition of sin is this. Sin is the opposite of love. It's the opposite of love. Sin is always unloving. Lots of times we think that, that we're loving, but we're not. It's not loving to, to, to lie to people to, to save their feelings. It's a lie. Sin is never unloving. Someone asked Jesus one time, what are the greatest commandments? He said, there's two of them. Love God, love your neighbor. Life is all about love. But sin is the opposite of these two commands. Not loving God, not loving your neighbor. Sin is always unloving. And then Jesus says as time goes on in Matthew 24, 12, where am I? As sin and evil increase in the world, people's love will grow cold. Are people more or less loving than they were 20 years ago? Are they? Or have we become more rude? Have we become more critical? Some might say that civilization has become less civil. Why? Sin increases, love decreases. They're opposites. Sin is unhelpful. Sin is unhealthy. It's unfair. It's unwise. It's unreliable. It's untruthful. You and me, we don't want to be doing that kind of stuff. Third definition I've got here of sin is sin is always selfishness. It's focused on me and who I am. We tell ourselves that, that we're doing for others when we're actually doing it for ourselves. Because it's really about how it makes me feel. I say that I'm doing this for you. But lots of times it's really for myself. And myself is the center of sin. I is the center of sin. James 3.16 says, 
Wherever there is selfishness, you find disorder and every kind of evil sin. We see it in our lives. We see it in our world, our families, how selfishness impacts us. And the Bible says that, that God didn't create you and I to live for ourselves. God puts us on this planet for a reason, to love God and to love one another. And if I'm just living for myself, it's sin. You and I were created to know, to love, and to serve those that God puts around us. Life is bigger than you. Rick Warren said in his book, it's not about you. You see, living for yourself is at the heart of what sin is all about. Putting yourself before God. They wrote a song about it. I know some of you are thinking different titles songs, so I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer. A man named Frank, Frank Sinatra sang it. It goes, I did it my way. That's all about me. I may have hurt you. I may have, have messed up. I may have told it like it is. But at least I did it my way. I'm going to hell, but I did it my way. Oh, Jim Sinatra. <laughs> the essence of sin is I. The I is right in the center of the word. Guys, whatever you center your life around, that's your God. Whether it's sports, whether it's video games, whether it's hunting, fishing, shopping, football, business, spouse, family. When it comes to sin, we tend to center our lives around ourselves. Whatever you center your life around is your God. Who we are. We got to live a... A, a, a different kind of way. Guys, just look around. We're swimming up, upstream in a narcissistic cultural river. We're swimming upstream. The middle letter of sin is I. An I-centered life is a sinful life. The root of sin is self-centeredness. Pride, eyes in the middle of pride. Eyes in the real middle of crime. All these, pride, crime, sin, all self-centered. Number four, what else is sin? What is sin? Sin is always unbelief in who God is. At the, at the, at the root of every sin, at that moment, you're saying, I don't trust God. I, I, I doubt something about God. There's some unbelief in, in, in every time. We doubt something about him. We don't trust him in that, that situation. And we say, I'm going to have to take care of it myself. John 16, 9 says this. 
Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will show that the world's sin is unbelief in me. Jesus said this. When I don't believe that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do, it's unbelief. And unbelief is, is, is the world's big sin. Everything else comes out of that. Everything else is filtered through that. But let me give you some examples. There's a whole lot of examples, but I want to give you about five quick ones. Because whenever I sin, it reveals what that I'm doubting about God at that moment. An unbelief, lack of faith, lack of trust. First example is anything that, any time that I am fearful or anxious, I show my unbelief or my doubt in God's promises. There's 7,000 promises in, in, in the Bible, over 7,000. And it says, perfect love casts out all fear. I doubt God will keep his promises if I become fearful. If I'm impatient, at that very moment, I'm showing my belief in God's perfect timing. Are you impatient today? I want to tell you, God's got a plan for your life. No need to be in a hurry. Don't doubt his perfect timing. You might be saying, well, I haven't got married yet. So-and-so got married. I haven't got married yet. Hold on. Hold on, he or she'll come, or maybe you're not supposed to get married. That's good too. So and so got a job promotion. I don't know how in the world they got a job promotion, and I didn't. When's my time? Should have been my time. What I'll do is I'll manipulate the situation. Don't doubt God's time. Anytime I'm resentful, or bitter, then I doubt God's wisdom. I want to tell you something. God is wise and he's loving. But Jim, he had a promotion, and I didn't. She got the award, but I didn't. They singled him out to speak, but not me. Not me. What you're saying is, is I like my wisdom and not God's. What you're saying is, God, you messed up. You messed up. Then you become resentful and bitter, and you doubt God's wisdom. Another example is just sometimes, uh, you know, when, when anytime I'm carrying around guilt, when I carry around guilt, I doubt God's forgiveness. You know how long that you should carry around guilt? About one second. Just enough to send you to the cross. The cross is not here anymore. It's on the other side. Just enough to send you to the cross. Most people that I meet a lot, they carrying around guilt for years. Long, long time. I'm going to tell you, there's a philosophical word for that. Dumb. It's dumb to carry around guilt for years. When you do that, you doubt God's forgiveness. You doubt his forgiveness. It's destructive. 
I always remember what I believe God said. I distinctly remember forgetting about that. I distinctly remember. The, the, the last example is anytime I'm, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm doubting God's power. I'm doubting God's power. God says when you're weak, I'm strong. The Word says that His power shows up best in our weakness. I want to tell you, don't doubt God's power. You feel inadequate. You're doubting His power. Guys, God will give you and me power. But it's all really about unbelief. So what's the problem with sin? We're only going to talk about, I got six problems with sin. I'm only going to talk about three of them real quick today. Give you three of the six problems. First one, if you got your pen, let's go. Number one, I was born with a selfish desire to sin. That's my sin nature that we've talked about. Everyone, especially if you're a parent, if you're a parent, know this because you got examples of that running around your feet. Did you teach your kids how to lie? One of the first words they learn is mine. Did you teach your kids how to get the biggest piece of cake in the corner? Did you teach your kids how to be sort of sneaky? No, it's, it's nature. Romans 7 says, I feel I am a slave to my sinful desires. Sin masters me. I don't even understand the things I do. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the wrong things that I don't want to do. I can't help myself because of my sinful nature inside me. It's a law at work in me that is at war with my mind. There is a battle going on with your mind. Between your old nature and your new nature. Between your desire to do the right thing and the nature desire to do the wrong thing. And we have this tendency that we were born with to make the wrong choices second problem with sin is this number two sin breaks my fellowship with God just like any relationship sin's pretty much a relational issue I'm going to tell you something if I said something stupid or, or unkind at, at, at home to my wife, to Angie, you could walk in and know it immediately. There would like be this, this drop in temperature. And the connection would be broken. And the same is true with God. You know how your prayers don't feel like they go above the ceiling? That there's something missing. Isaiah 59 2. I love this. Says, your sins are the roadblock between you and your God. That's why he doesn't answer your prayers or let you see his face. You got to deal with this. You got to deal with this. Number three. Last one we're going to talk about today. Every time I sin, something dies inside of me. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin are death. 
did you know did you know that there was no death on this planet until sin entered the world until then it was paradise sin and death go together we're all gonna die because we live in a sinful world it's broken sin is a killer sin is self-destructive sin hurts me more than anybody else there's something inside of me something inside of you dies did you know that evil is lived spell backwards every time you do evil you're dying you're not living evil is the opposite of live and jesus said i came that you might have life and have it more abundantly god's sin is connected to death james 1 15 says our evil desires make us sin and when sin is finished with us it leaves us dead it leaves us dead the band if you guys want to start coming on up I'm not just talking about a physical death here. There's a, there's a lot of, of, of stuff dies in your life every time you and I sin. When I sin, my passion for God dies. My dreams of getting closer to the Lord die. Relationships die when I sin. Sin kills your potential. Sin kills your joy. Sin kills your rewards in heaven sin kills your true identity your identity becomes clouded by sin we don't even know who we are we're confused and confusion is not from God sin causes us to die little by little within don't ask What's eating at you this week? What part of you that, that, that's dead this week? Are you alienated from God? Your prayer's not going all the way to the roof? Are you alienated from people? Sin causes anxiety. Sin causes addiction. Broken heart, broken body relationships sin causes compulsions sin causes debt sin causes disease it causes damaged reputations sin causes eternal separation from God sin causes fear sin causes guilt sin causes injustice it causes a loss of joy Loss of reputation, loss of reward in heaven. Missed opportunities. Sin causes missed blessings. It causes a national decline. It causes destruction, oppression, pollution of creativity. Sin causes relational conflicts. It causes stress. How does that make sense? A good idea. Where are you at this week? Wherever you're sitting, 
wherever you're sitting, I pray that, that you would begin to rethink, that you would repent this week, today, this morning. And I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray that today, that whoever heard today, whoever listened today, that they would begin to change. That they would not only become hearers of the word today, but doers. And that they would begin to change the way they think about sin. How it's self-destructing. And that Jesus came for a far better life, Lord. You came for a far better life. And I pray that those who are in fear, uh, uh, debt, guilt, that they would come out of it. Lord, I love you. And it's in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. <laughs>